Hello, hello, and welcome back to A Pinch of Honesty. I have actually brought my recording equipment with me on travel, which uh, is something I've been talking about doing and um, have given some serious thought to thinking that, oh, you know, I'm on travel, so clearly I'll have more time. And it turns out that is not necessarily the case, right? <laughs> you go and travel and things kind of get crazy, but I'm here in my travel slippers, hunkered down on a sofa. Um, I'm in a big city, so you'll probably hear like police cars, an ambulance outside the window, right? It's not my normal, peaceful um, home record sesh, um, but I'm here. I have a nice cup of tea. It's late at night. Um, I have a stomach full of delicious Thai food, which makes me incredibly happy. Um, and we are here to dig into the rabbit hole, the incredible rabbit hole that is the history of cakes. <laughs> um, as most of you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I have a tendency when I see something and uh, it's not familiar to me to really spend some time going through and trying to sort out like, where in the heck did this come from, right? I actually think that a large portion of my journaling has been like, I saw something and then was like, what, what was that? Right. Um, on travel, when I hear or see signs for things. And then I think to myself, you know, like I need to go through and like, look that up. Um, you know, that kind of falls into the same category. So I decided I really wanted to make, like, I've been having a strong hankering for pineapple upside down cake. And I pulled out one of my favorite cookbooks, which is a 1920 something version of the Boston School of Baking cookbook. Um, for those of you who've not looked at it, you can actually look it up online. There's PDFs of it online, including, I think, some of the original incantations of it. And it is some thousand pages. So, A, for a cookbook, like the page count is crazy. There's not a ton of pictures. So if you're looking for like a cookbook with pretty pictures, that is not this. But it, what it does have is like each page has between three and five recipes on it, right? So just do the math, right? You're talking, it's something probably on the order of 5,000 recipes in this book. And it's got everything from like how to decorate your table, cocktail serving, you know, hostessy stuff. Um, it, it's kind of crazy. And in one of the previous podcasts, you know, I brought up that um, I love oatmeal raisin cookies. And this was the first incarnation of an oatmeal raisin cookie came out of the Boston um, School of Cooking Cookbook. And so I had to buy it. I had to test out those recipes because <laughs> I love my oatmeal raisin cookies. Um, and the fact that it was such a caused such a stir when people threw raisins into their oatmeal cookies. I just, I love it. I love it. So I thought, all right, I'm going to do a pineapple upside down cake. So I'm going to look at my book and see what I can find. Lo and behold, if you get the original Boston School of Cooking book, which came out in the 1800s, there is no pineapple upside down cake. My version, which is like 1920 something, um, does have a recipe. So clearly upside down cakes came in somewhere there and we're going to cover a little bit of that. Uh, so, of course, like if you're not interested in baking and you're not history, interested in the history of baking, you may not find this episode particularly riveting. However, when I went to go look up a pineapple upside down cake, it came up in the book as a cottage pudding. 
Now this threw me for a loop, right? And it actually says to make like a standard cottage pudding. And then like in the add-on portion of the recipe, it was like, you know, do the pineapples and cherries, blah, 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 underneath, right? I'm like, cottage pudding? What the heck? Right? So turns out, I started looking this up because I was like, there's nothing pudding-like about a pineapple upside down cake. And a pudding was once a general term for desserts in Great Britain. I did not know this. How do I not know this? I go to England all the time and I had zero idea that a pudding was associated with just a dessert item. There are lots of things that says, you know, cakes or other things that actually are more pudding-like. Sometimes there are cakes that are a lot moister and they are referred to as a pudding. The term cottage is because it is supposed to be simple and affordable. So not your normal dessert, but like the simple fare, right? And so it says, you know, in some of the stuff I've looked up that like farmers, laborers, uh, low class to middle class, right? Like those folks would have like cottage puddings. Super interesting, right? The earliest found recipe that um, this person had kind of dug up was in the 1863 to 1864 um, Gotti's Ladies Book, a popular 19th century women's magazine that reprinted a number of things. And so it goes through to describe different types of cottage puddings and how you might use um, cottage puddings. But then in this article that I was reading, it actually said, you know, the next spot that you will kind of see it in North America is in the 1896 Boston Cooking School Cookbook, which went through to kind of standardize a lot of the measurements and things. And it made these puddings much more popular, right? Um, If you're ever out on the web and you actually look up Fanny Farmer, um, she is a stern looking lady. Now, granted, it's a black and white photo. And I don't know, maybe like she had a lot of like joy de vivre when she was in the kitchen, but her photos do not make her look like she's somebody you want to mess with. (laughs) Um, So, so there you have it. Cottage pudding, standard cottage pudding recipe, just so you know, butter, sugar, egg, whole milk, flour, baking powder, and salt. That's it. The butter sugar is low, right? So if you're comparing it to kind of like a a standard cake mix, I would actually say it's pretty low. It has a lot more milk in it than a standard cake, right? So it has a whole cup of milk, which if you ever bake cakes or look at things, a whole cup of milk in a cake is, is a lot, right? And there isn't any other flavor, right? So that's it. I tried making this and I would say it's not my favorite pineapple upside down cake. The cake itself was moist, but didn't have a ton of flavor. And again, maybe that's because it is this cottage pudding instead of actually physically being a cake. Now, pineapple upside down cake. It's beautiful. I want to say it really makes me feel of kind of the 60s, 70s. And maybe that's just because like when I was growing up, um, pineapple upside down cake was the thing, right? And in particular, hot pineapple upside down cake, right? Like, so if you were lucky, you would get like a, a toasty, warm slice. And I, I remember vividly burning my mouth on pineapple upside upside down cake. Um, but if you actually go out to Wikipedia and you begin looking at pineapple upside down cakes, right? 
Um, and I kind of wanted to know, like, when did upside down cakes, not just pineapple upside down cake, but when did upside down cakes kind of become, you know, a thing, right? Um, it actually says United States pineapple upside down cake became popular in the mid 1920s. Um, and that's after the Dole Pineapple Company sponsored a contest for pineapple recipes. I would love, 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 love to see the original pineapple upside down um, cake recipe and what that looked like for this competition, right? Like, I, I think that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, but that's where, you know, in particular, pineapple upside down cakes became quite popular. Um, let's see. So this, of course, led me down this whole rabbit hole of then I began to make banana bread out of my book. And banana bread, which I actually don't even really think of as a, a bread. I'm air quoting again, right? Bread. It turns out that it really is called a cake, right? So if you are in England and you get any type, you know, pumpkin, loaf, banana bread, um, or even like any other type of fruit, like they'll have like orange ones or cranberry filled ones, like cranberry walnut. They actually call those cakes, right? And again, in my Boston School of Cooking, they refer to these things as cakes. They're not referred to as loaves or bread. However, you know, we in America refer to them as loaves or bread, right? So if you ever go to a Starbucks, you will get a pumpkin loaf. You don't get a pumpkin cake. Uh, right. But it's a cake. It's a cake. So of course, like the obvious difference is going to be the pan itself, right? These types of cakes are baked in tins that are more loaf shaped that are generally used for breads. And I could see how that might lead to some of their names, right? So in England where they're kind of, I think, considering it, oh, it's just a cake. They're going to leave it as a cake. Here in America, we're probably going to be like, okay, it's a loaf or more like a bread. Um, but it turns out actually, as I was digging into this whole difference between loaves versus cakes versus, because again, right, I'm just digging around trying to like figure out um, exactly kind of what is um, the history of this whole difference between, you know, cake versus bread. And I stumbled upon a pretty funny article in Food 52. So if you haven't been to Food 52, it's a fantastic website. I love a lot of their products, their apron. So my sister gave me an apron from them for Christmas and it is my absolute favorite apron. I've actually bought it for other folks because I love it to death. And um, they actually had um, a funny article on this. It says, you know, you say bread, I say cake. One baker's take on the difference between the two. And in particular, right, this is talking about this whole banana bread, gingerbread, you know, uh, what, what really is the difference, right? And the takeaway from all of this, right, is that when you have something that is a quick bread or you have something where there's no rise time, basically you're mixing all of the ingredients and then you're going to bake it, in other countries, they will refer to that as a cake. And in other countries, right, like our country, um, we actually refer to that as a bread. And we're referring to that as a bread mostly driven off the fact that we have lots of other things that we actually consider quick breads. So if you've ever made like um, a soda loaf, those types of things where 
there isn't a whole lot of meeting or rise time and you have a tendency to kind of mix all the ingredients together, slop it into a pan and then bake. And that is the case, right? With a pumpkin loaf or banana bread, right? It's kind of a quick bread. Um, now, of course, it's got more sugar. It's got more, I would actually say, even flavors than your standard kind of loaf of bread. Um, but that's this person's like kind of defining factor is it's, it's more of a quick bread. Um, and regardless of whether or not it has fruit or different flavors, they're just calling it kind of a quick bread. And they go through to say, right, there's gingerbread, um, which we also call a bread, right? There's um, cornbread, rye bread, zucchini bread. Uh, there's a number of different things. And um, so their defining factor is it's just, it's quick, right? Um, so if you're interested, you can go check out on Food 52. It's underneath their blog. You can look up. Um, you say bread and I say cake. It's actually kind of a fun read. Um, now that is my diatribe on cakes and breads and loaves and the difference between them all and, uh, cottage, cottage puddings, which I, again, had zero idea that this is where all these things came from. My latest kind of beef about this entire trip out here, um, has been the, part of like one of the reservations, my husband had to call and had to give him my name. And I never took my husband's name. I like my last name. I'm not interested in changing my name. There's lots of things about the traditional patriarchy that I don't buy into and I don't see as being necessary. And so I don't, I don't abide by that. I don't know. There's like fire trucks outside. And the gentleman on the phone said something along the lines of when my husband said, Oh, she doesn't have the same last name. And he said something along the lines of, um, Oh, she's one of those women. And of course, like I, I really actually kind of wanted to ask like, you know, a, what is that type of woman? Right. And B go us, right? Like, I don't want to judge you whether you have your husband's name or don't have your husband's name. I chose not to take my husband's name and I fully expect not to take shit for that. All right. It's my choice. It's my name. Um, I don't have to change it if I don't want to. So of course I was like, after my husband had gotten off the phone, I was like, you know, but they never ask you like, what is a man's maiden name? And I was like, is there even a term for it? And it turns out, are you ready? <laughs> the supposed analogous term is bachelor name, which is supposed to refer to a man's last name before he gets married. Um, I'm not sure I buy it. I've actually never heard of a guy using the term bachelor's name, right? Um, the other thing I looked up was, right, like, so if you wanted to go kind of more gender neutral, you could say birth name, right? Um, but again, right, like if you've changed your name and it's not even your legal name, then kind of what is the point of that? I don't know. I'm feeling I'm feeling unhappy about this. And so I think I'm going to spend some time noodling on what would I use as a term for a man's maiden name. Right? It's just his name before he was married. I guess bachelor does fit somewhat. Um, maiden, of course, makes it sound so archaic makes it sound so um i want to use the word innocent weak i know these are not things that maybe a maiden is but in my mind this is what it conjures right and so uh you know would it be 
boyish name. <laughs> you know, the other thing I've heard is surname, right? Like, um, uh, again, I don't like the term surname because it implies some type of masculinity and I have a last name and it's not my, you know, sir name, the rabbit holes, the rabbit holes that Christina goes through. Anyways. Um, thank you. Thank you very much for turning into my, uh, rant on cakes and all things, um, Boston school of baking. If you have the most fantastic pineapple upside down cake recipe, um, email me. Let me know. I would love to test it out. I've been hankering for something delish. And like I said, the uh, version in there, it's cottage pudding was a little too bland for me. I think I need much, much more flavor. So there you have it. I am thinking of each and every single one of you and I'll catch you on the flip side.